0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We do want to start off with a bit of an apology. Uh, For the first time in many years, due to scheduling issues, we were not able to play for you in conjunction with Christmas the famous jingle bells as sung by the barking dogs. But we do hate to miss it completely, so, Mr. McMillan. <laughs> I think we also may need to apologize to you just a bit for the fact that we've not uh, not put out a program for a while. In fact, I ha- have here uh, an email that that asks the question: uh, Where have you people been? Don't you realize you have a responsibility to the listening audience, which depends on you on a weekly basis to produce the kind of material that will enlighten them and entertain them and bring a needed ray of sunshine into all of their lives? Please, for God's sake, see if you can't do a little better. And it's signed Edward MacMillan. Sorry, I had too much eggnog that day. I see, well, you're you're forgiven. At any rate, yes, it is the holiday season, it's the year's end at this point, and we do need to, as we always like to do, look back at the year that has just passed, and what a horrific year we have just had to endure, but you know, we'll get to that in a minute. But in speaking of the holidays and holiday music as we just were. I, I do want to play one selection that really kind of knocked me out. I was, I was driving back from the Monterey area a few days ago. Been meaning for some time to check out the Monarch Butterfly situation, so I uh, thought a little trip down to Pacific Grove might be a good thing. And it was. More to say about that shortly. But on the way back, KGO, I think it was, for some reason decided to play some appropriate music. And admittedly, we're not huge fans of most Christmas music. That's why we make fun of it with the parking dogs, you know? But they put on a tune that I had to just sit back and go, "Man, this this is this is a great tune." Which was I think The Ronettes' version of "Slay Ride." Now, one of the people that we lost during this past year was Phil Spector, who was the husband of the lead singer of The Ronettes and and helped their career immensely with his uh producing talents, or at least I'm I think that he did. <laughs> You know, he wound up divorcing her and having a big nasty lawsuit about the fact that he apparently expropriated all of their earnings, but that's, that's another story. And there are apparently many Phil Spector stories, but there's no denying the fact that that's a great tune, and I think that'll be our outro music. What do you say, Ms. McMillan? Sure. All right. I should note that we have an embarrassment of riches lying before us right now. So many things that we'd like to talk about, that it's just, as it always is, it's hard to know where to begin. You know, one surefire thing may be to use uh, one of the humorous memes that people often send around. One of my high school chums, who I had not seen for many years, forwarded the following. I'm not a licensed interior designer, but I did just figure out that you can make a room look 30% larger if you put away the 14 loads of laundry on the floor. Words to live by, we think. And you know, given this backlog, let's just take a flying leap into the good, the bad, and the ugly, shall we? Since we have at our disposal many issues of the week, with its Good Week for, Bad Week 4 section, we, we have a lot to choose from. So rather than specify which week, we're just going to say recently, it was a good week for listening to Donald Trump. Yes. After the former president disclosed during a tour appearance that he got a booster shot and to some booing, urged the audience to do so themselves. Trump said MAGA fans who disdain vaccination are playing, quote, right into their hands, unquote. Whose hands are those? Well, we don't know. It was, on the other hand, recently a bad week for modern high-tech banking, with the news that moments after he robbed a Delaware bank, a man stopped to deposit some of the stolen cash in an ATM by the bank's front door. (laughs) Apparently, Robert McWilliams approached a teller at the Wells Fargo in Wilmington, handed her a note reading, This is a robbery. I need $150. After the teller handed over the cash, he left the bank, but before fleeing, made a deposit, at the ATM on the exterior of the building, according to police. In case you're wondering, Williams was arrested at a nearby shopping center. And we do have to say, he wasn't being overly greedy. He needed $150, and that's what he asked for. Not like some CEOs we could mention. And it was an ugly week recently for people who rely upon the Internet with the news that hundreds of folks who have tried to hire a paid killer through the fake website called rentahitman.com, ran into a few snags. It seems California resident Bob Innes launched the site 16 years ago, incorporating fake customer testimonials and industry award citations. (laughs) Yes, industry award citations. And wouldn't you know it, 400 people have since filled out a service request form, including personal details for themselves and their intended targets. When Innes gets one that looks serious, he forwards it to law enforcement, which did result in the recent conviction of a Michigan woman who wanted her husband dead. Said Innes, I don't get it. People are just stupid. We find it hard to argue with that, but we do know that at least some of that group is now getting vaccinations and recommending them to others. And that was so fun. Let's go another round. It was recently, on the other hand, a good week for pancake eaters, with the announcement by the Quebec Maple Syrup Producers Organization, known as the OPEC of maple syrup, that it is responding to the ongoing global syrup shortage by releasing 50 million pounds of syrup from its strategic reserve. And I'm sure the people at IHOP are glad to hear it. And it was recently a bad week, we'd have to say, for second chances with the news that the Prairie DuPont Volunteer Fire Department in St. Clair County, Illinois, named Jeremy Simmons as its acting fire chief. Mr. Simmons is a convicted arsonist, which evidently caused 10 of the department's 13 firefighters to resign on the spot in protest. And it was an ugly week recently for Major, President Biden's two-year-old German shepherd, whom White House officials announced has been shipped out to, quote, family friends, unquote, after a number of, quote, biting incidents, unquote. Reportedly, Major Biden will be replaced by Commander Biden, a shepherd puppy. All right, at this point, I think we're going to hold some of these in our strategic reserve. By the way, Mr. McMillan reminds us that some time ago, I I think we'd mentioned on this program, must have been a very long time ago, about uh, a Canadian friend who actually tried to obtain real maple syrup, something that I think Mr. McMillan also tried to do when he was north of the border and and had um, a series of misadventures. We we should tell that story again if we can get him back on the show. Something unusual is going to take place here about the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of January. On January 1st, The moon is at perigee. The next day, the moon is directly lined up with the sun as it becomes a new moon. The day after that, January 3rd, the Earth is at perihelion. Now, what that means is not only are these king tides, these are like, I don't know, emperor tides, big-ass tides. Given this celestial alignment, on January 2nd, you're going to see a high tide of 7.2 feet and a low tide of negative 1.8 and trust me on, on this one. Those are big. Check it out. Since we are starting this off in a rather <clears throat> light mode, but yet are determined to take a look back at 2021, let's, let's combine those and go to Dave Barry's look back at the year, which we will now excerpt according to provisions of the Fair Use Doctrine. Mr. Barry starts off with, is there anything positive we can say about 2021? Well, yes, we can say that it was marginally better than 2020. Granted, this is not high praise. It's like saying somebody is marginally nicer than Hitler, but it is something. No, it's very January dawn with all eyes on Washington, D.C., where Donald Trump, as chief executive of the most powerful nation on earth, is trying to get someone to answer the intercom. It's difficult because pretty much everyone in his administration except Melania has bailed. The only people still in contact with Trump are the members of his inner circle of trusted whack jobs, who are counseling the president in his ongoing effort to prove that the presidential election was rigged in a massive conspiracy that, although too complex and sophisticated for the so-called courts of law to understand, is transparently obvious to the Pillow guy. Notes Barry, the Capitol riot was widely condemned, with much of the blame falling on Trump, he swiftly receives the harshest punishment allowed under the Constitution. He is permanently banned from Twitter. The first sitting president to suffer this fate since Chester Allen Arthur. Also, he is impeached. Again. Two weeks later, Trump leaves the White House for good, with only quick action by the Secret Service preventing him from being hit by the screen door on his way out. February. The spotlight now shifts to incoming President Joe Biden. And on the pandemic front, there is good news and bad news. The good news is vaccines are increasingly becoming available to senior citizens and they can make vaccination appointments on the internet. The bad news is that many of these seniors are still trying to communicate with their computers by shouting into the mouse. Also, in a scathing indictment of his involvement in the Capitol riot, the House Democratic impeachment managers charged that Trump by feeding the January 6th Stop the Steal rally wild falsehoods about the election, is, quote, practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day, unquote, said Barry. No, wait, those aren't the scathing words of the House managers. Those are the scathing words of Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who then votes to acquit. In March, notes Dave Barry, President Biden addresses the nation to say there is a good chance that Americans will be able to gather together by July 4th. He just doesn't specify which July 4th. Barry notes that on the wokeness front, Dr. Seuss joins the lengthening list of individuals who are deemed to be problematic, which also includes George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Pepe Le Pew, and Mr. Potato Head. Also notes, Barry, people are starting to take a hard look at the very hungry caterpillar. And if you have to ask why, you're part of the problem. Referring to April... 2021, Barry says, in other state news, Randy Quaid announces via tweet that he is seriously considering running for governor of California against Caitlyn Jenner. To which Barry adds, I see no reason to add a punchline here. In executive branch news, Major, one of the two official Biden administration German shepherds, is sent away from the White House for what a spokesperson called additional training. Since moving into the executive mansion, Major had bitten two people. One of whom was a Secret Service agent, although reportedly says Barry not the same one who was bitten by Rudy Giuliani. In May, he notes, the CDC further relaxes its COVID 19 guidelines in response to new scientific data showing that a lot of people have stopped paying attention to CDC guidelines. And in a chilling reminder of the U.S. infrastructure's vulnerability to cyber attack, Colonial Pipeline is forced to shut down a major East Coast fuel pipeline after suspected Russian hackers break into the corporation's computer system. After Colonial pays the hackers a ransom of nearly $5 million, thereby sending a stern warning to any would-be future hackers that this is an excellent way to obtain money. And in other administration May news, turns out that Major, the former White House dog, escaped from his rehabilitation facility and robs a convenience store. Also in May, the northeastern U.S. witnesses a majestic natural phenomenon that takes place once every 17 years, as trillions of brood ex cicadas emerge from the soil, shed their skins, and like countless generations of cicadas before them, are harshly criticized for their lifestyle decisions by millennial and boomer cicadas. President Biden goes to Europe to participate in an important and historic photo op with the other leaders of the group of seven economic powers, which are Germany, Japan, United Kingdom, the United States, Google, Facebook, and Mattress Giant. Biden then goes to Geneva for a summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin, during which Biden warns Putin that these darn Russian hackers better stop hacking into U.S. infrastructure, or by golly, we're going to call shenanigans. And in Saturday administration news, Champ, the other White House dog, passes away. Major, speaking through his legal team, declares that he has an alibi. In July, it turns out the Delta variant of COVID-19 is surging again. Perry notes that the Delta variant got its name from the fact that it is spread primarily by fraternities and notes that the problem is that many Americans have declined to be vaccinated despite the efforts of pro-vaccine voices to change their minds by informing them that they are stupid idiots, which is usually a persuasive argument. In August, there's a withdrawal of American forces in Afghanistan, a country that thanks to 20 years of our involvement has been transformed at the cost of many lives and more than $2 trillion from an undemocratic society into an undemocratic society with a whole lot of abandoned American military hardware lying around. Most Americans come to agree that we have accomplished our mission, which is the same mission the Russians had in Afghanistan before us and the British before them, which is to get the hell out of Afghanistan. In September, notes Dave Barry, Donald Trump, who insists there was massive fraud in Arizona and actually beat Joe Biden there, is finally vindicated when a company hired by the Republican-controlled state Senate to review the ballots concludes that, well, actually it concludes that Trump did in fact lose. In fact, by he lost by even more votes than originally reported. Trump, reacting to this finding, declares that it proves there was massive fraud in Arizona and he actually beat Joe Biden. And thus, the healing begins. In other state news, in California, which operates under the perpetual recall system of government, decides for the time being that they will keep... Governor Gavin Newsom, who campaigned on the slogan, The other candidates are even worse. Barry adds, We feel compelled to note here that Gavin Newsom is an anagram for veganism now. And it is. In October, notes Dave Barry, inflation continues to be a pesky problem with food prices soaring and gasoline approaching $4 per gallon everywhere in the nation, except California, where for environmental reasons it is $137. The labor shortage has become so severe that for the first time since it began keeping records, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, which produces a monthly report on the nation's employment situation, does not have enough workers to produce a monthly report. In November, President Biden heads to Scotland for the COP2690 Nation Conference on Climate Change attended by more than 30,000 political leaders, diplomats, bureaucrats, experts, spokespersons, observers, aides, minions, private jet pilots, and of course, Leonardo DiCaprio. After an incalculable number of catered meals and lengthy impassioned speeches, making the points that one, the climate crisis is real, two, this is an emergency, three, the time for action is now, four, we cannot afford to wait one day longer, and five, we're not kidding around, this is serious, damn it. The participating nations hammer out a historic agreement declaring in no uncertain terms they will definitely, no excuses this time, gather next year for another conference, which in a clear indication of progress will be named COP27. And as the holiday season gets underway, millions of travelers flock to the nation's major airports, which comes as a big shock to some of the nation's major airlines, which apparently had not been informed that the holidays could be a busy travel time. In other holiday news, Joe Biden carrying on a fun presidential tradition ceremoniously pardons two Thanksgiving turkeys, peanut butter and jelly, which are then sent off to retire on an Indiana farm where they are eaten by Major, the former White House dog. On the economic front, the Biden administration seeking to counteract the steep rise in gasoline prices orders the Department of Energy to release 50 million barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Within minutes, a dozen towns in East Texas are flattened by an oil wave estimated to be 200 feet high. Apparently, states a red-faced department spokesperson, you're supposed to release the oil into a pipeline. To To which Barry adds, meanwhile, in response to a global shortage of maple syrup, the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers announces that it is releasing 50 million pounds of syrup from its strategic reserves. To which Barry says, you probably think we're making this up, but we're not. And in other holiday season news, travel in the Midwest is snarled when the U.S. Department of Agriculture, seeking to alleviate a shortage of Christmas hams, releases 17 million head of pig from the strategic pork reserve, blocking every major road into and out of Ohio, causing the region to smell, in the words of Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, even worse than usual. And, notes Dave Barry, as 2021 draws to a close, the Mars NASA rover Perseverance sends back a message to Earth across millions of miles of space, noting that, well, it's detected Omicron on Mars, which I think luckily for all of us here on Earth and any possible future visitors to Mars turns out to be something he made up. And as we're looking for things to rejoice about in 2021, I guess I'll uh, do a cheat sheet here from the Sierra Club, which uh, did find some things that they thought were uh, worthy of celebrating. They start their list with the fact that the Keystone Pipeline was canceled as of last June, which we'd have to agree was a good thing. One of their choices was a climate president was elected, and have to agree with that up to a point. One of those points might be that the methane rules got reinstated. The House and Senate passed a resolution that would reinstate the EPA's 2016 Methane Pollution Safeguards. And evidently, in passing this resolution, Congress is ensuring that no future administration could once again strip standards on methane pollution from oil and gas operations. And we hope so. Sierra Club cites victory of, at the border wall. Noting that on the first day of his administration, Biden signed an executive order halting the construction of Trump's wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. And in April, the administration canceled border wall projects paid for with nearly $10 billion diverted from the Defense Department accounts, which was successfully challenged in court by the Sierra Club's environmental law program, along with the ACLU and the Southern Border Communities Coalition. And the Sierra Club celebrated the fact that in one of his first acts as president, Biden fulfilled his promise to start the process of rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement. And he called the climate crisis the number one issue facing humanity. In the grand scheme of things, this is no doubt true. Although we would point out that underlying all of that is the fact that the world's population continues to grow unabated, and no good's going to come of that, particularly in environmental matters. And I had to laugh looking at uh, the week magazine's last issue of the year that goes back and takes a look at uh, the preceding year. They have a section every year entitled "Some of the things they said were good for us." Dot dot dot. And the one that caught my eye was full fat dairy which is linked to a lower risk of cardiovascular disease. When researchers examined the dairy fat intake of more than 4,060-year-olds and followed them for an average of 17 years and found that after adjusting for lifestyle factors, those with the highest levels of dairy fatty acids in their blood had the lowest risk for cardiovascular disease and no increased risk of death from all causes. I was especially drawn to that as I realized that as a physician... For the past generation or two, we doctors have been telling people the wrong thing. We told people to avoid eggs, to avoid all fats everywhere, it seems like, in products. And I'm looking at, in fact, a guideline that was given to, um, I'm not sure whether it was my dad or my mom, but I do note that it seems to have been printed up by a drug company for doctors to distribute. It's about 20, 25 years old and says right here in big letters, eggs. Egg substitutes and egg whites used freely. Egg yolks limit to two per week. Well, it turns out that was wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of cholesterol in eggs, and your body, yours and mine, makes cholesterol all all day long every day because every single cell membrane in our body has got cholesterol in it. Yes, there's such a thing as bad cholesterol, but, well, it turns out the diet isn't as important as we doctors claimed. On this list from some years back under milk products, it says always use 99% fat-free or skim milk. Which, Mr. Miller notes, is not really milk anyway. Yes, I'd agree. It is kind of an undrinkable milk-like substance. Got it. And in further astoundingly crappy advice we doctors were dispensing to people pretty recently under fats and oils, it says use soft, not stick, margarine, vegetable oils, high in polyunsaturated fats like safflower, sunflower, soybean, corn, and cottonseed, which I think is probably a good idea for some patients. But as the late great Anthony Bourdain once pointed out, if you're the kind of person that eats margarine, there's just, just not much I can do for you. But anyway, to continue on this list of some things that might now be seen as good for us, we can happily report that a drink is on the list, which we've always known this in medicine. But anyway, someone discovered here in 2021 that data from more than 48,000 people who had suffered a heart attack, stroke, or angina found that drinking up to 105 grams of alcohol each week which works out to the equivalent of a bottle of wine or a six-pack of beer, lowered lowered the risk of a second cardiovascular event compared with drinking none at all. The sweet spot was about six to eight grams a day, roughly half a glass of beer or wine. Now, all I can add to that is that my 99-year-old great-aunt, when asked what the secret to longevity was, replies, work hard, get plenty of sex, and drink two beers a day. Anyway, according to The Week, the, the author of the study, Cheryl Ding, said the findings indicate that people with cardiovascular problems may not need to stop drinking to prevent future issues. Well, we will drink to that, but uh, I just don't know, you know what doctors were telling people that. Bad doctors, I think, were telling people that. And I can't resist going back to Anthony Bourdain, because I, I do have some friends that are, that are vegan, and, and, and that, frankly, is sometimes an issue right around mealtime, and I have to laugh at Anthony Bourdain's characterization of vegans as a Hezbollah-like splinter group of vegetarians. <laughs> On the other hand, if you can make it work and, uh, you know, can get enough protein and things that um, are easy to find in, in animal-based diets, you'll, you'll, you'll probably do okay. And thirdly, if you want to avoid dementia, and I think we all do, one way to do it might be to keep your teeth clean. Previous research had found that gum disease-causing bacteria can produce a roving protein that can destroy brain cells. In a new study, scientists tested gum swabs and cerebrospinal fluid samples from 48 people over the age of 65. Those with higher levels of good, of course that's in quotes, good oral microbes, had lower levels of amyloids, proteins that are linked to cognitive decline when they build up in cerebral arteries. As expected, those individuals also had a lower chance of developing dementia. So, doggone it, take care of your gums. I got about four minutes left before a break, so I guess I want to go to the lightning round and grab some quickie items. From the advice you probably don't need department, we have this headline: U.S. advises against travel to Ukraine. Yeah, I know a lot of you probably had your heart set on that Christmas trip to Crimea, but you you may have to postpone it. And in other insane holiday travel-related news, we have this. Apparently, Google Maps led some Tahoe travelers astray during the massive snowstorm they just had. Reported SFGate, it appears that Google Maps may have guided weary Lake Tahoe travelers to closed off and even dangerous roads amid record-setting snowfall. Social media posts, including from Crystal Colden, professor of forest sciences at UC Merced, have condemned Google for redirecting travels away from closed highways to potentially precarious shortcuts. Tweeted Colden, this is an abject failure. You're sending people up a poorly maintained forest road to their death in severe blizzard. And a screenshot that she shared showed directions through Marysville Road, a narrow two-lane path going through the Tahoe National Forest. Now, part of me says that if you're dumb enough to take a poorly maintained forest service road in the middle of a severe snowstorm, you probably deserve what happens to you. But my God. Evidently, Caltrans was motivated to message people to avoid workarounds. Quoted a Caltrans District 3 spokesperson, Steve Nelson, is telling SFGate, they were seeing drivers trying to skirt highway closures with side streets saying, quote, they'll take side roads and try to sneak past closures, and that never ends well. And in other technologic non-breakthroughs, we have this. Apparently, AI has finally learned to read the time on clocks with hands. Reported New Scientist magazine, computer vision has long been able to read the time from digital timepieces by simply looking at the numbers. Duh! But it notes analog clocks are much more challenging because of factors including variation in their design and the way shadows and reflections can obscure the hands. But rising to the occasion, Cherry Yang and colleagues at the University of Oxford have developed a system that can read an analog clock achieving 74 to 84 percent accuracy when tested on 4,000 images of clocks. Uh, Siri, what time is it? Well, there's a 74% chance it's 315. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yes, Mr. McMillan, maybe someday some scientists working in Oxford using AI will be able to also read a sundial. This would be a major step forward. All right, we've got to take a break, and we've got some good music we want to play, so why don't we uh, do that? All right, as promised, Mr. McMillan. No, not slow ride, sleigh ride. Listen to Radio Parallax. Got plenty more. Don't go away. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting-a, jingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with.